Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Indeed, today is the day the Lord has made. I am rejoicing. I am glad in it. I hope that you are setting aside uh, time today for personal expressions of worship. Uh, And you are certainly, even now, engaging in thoughtful consideration of God. Like, right? He, He ought to be top of mind, but we all recognize that he's not top of mind all the time. Um, but he ought to be the operating system in our minds. Like we, we have to be people who are seeking in every moment to cultivate the mind of Christ on the matters of the day and then apply the mind of Christ uh, to the conversations that we're having out there in the world. We are the ambassadors of the good news of the gospel. We are the agents of grace. We are the ministers of reconciliation. Um, we are the priesthood of all believers in this generation. Like it, it's us. We are the church. We are the people of Christ. Um, we are the redeemed of the Lord, and we are the ones who then God sends sends forth into the world that he so loves to till the soil of the conversations of this day with the gospel, to plant the seed of the gospel in this day. Like, that's our charge. That's our opportunity. Um, it's our obligation. It's our responsibility. It's our joy. It should be our delight. I hope you had an opportunity to hear my conversation with Don Everts about that. If not, you're going to be able to go back a little bit later today and grab that podcast. And um, and it's Friday, so although for the last two Fridays we've missed him because Adam Holtz has been on a much-needed vacation, he's back, and he and I have a lot to talk about. So I'm going to jump. Uh, I'm going to jump to my conversation with Adam Holtz um, in just um, in just a moment. Let me set it up this way. Um, have you watched The Hunt? Well, no, you haven't, because that one they're not going to show. But how about The Family? Um, how about alternate endings? Do you know that um, that there is a movement across the United States of America to actually like create our own alternate endings to life? That's an interesting conversation. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Adam Holtz will be here from Plugged In. All right, back again, Adam Holtz from Plugged In. Welcome back, man. Always good to be on with you, Carmen. I'm glad to be back. We did our best. Uh, we did our best in the two weeks that you were away, but we sure are glad you're back because um, we, we need some help processing the entertainment news uh, from a Christian worldview, and you help us do wow. that. That is why I am here, so let's do it. All right, let's start with alternate endings. Um, this is a series on HBO. Um, I, I think it's fascinating um, yeah. but tell people what alternate endings is, um, and and if you've got uh, some insight into what they're covering there. Well, this is a, a show on HBO, as you mentioned, that is just really focusing on how different people are doing creative slash non traditional things to honor a loved one at the end of life. For example. 
one woman had her father's cremated ashes rolled into a concrete ball that they dropped in the ocean so that it could form a reef uh, and be life-giving to the ocean because he loved the ocean. Um, you know, one woman was planted in a shallow grave uh, underneath a tree so that her body could be, you know, fertilizer for the earth, that sort of thing. And and I have, I guess, three different responses. My first one is we're living in an age where perhaps the chief virtue in everything is choice, whether we're talking what peanut butter you're going to have, what gender you think you're going to be, you know, whether you want to use marijuana or not. Uh, and, the, you know, whether you want to die on your own terms, from birth to death, choice is the gospel in our culture right now. And so it doesn't surprise me that people are choosing to do things that are not a traditional burial and memorial service. Um, and secondly, once you get over, I think, how weird some of this stuff is, the impulse here is... I guess you could say it's narcissistic or weird, but it's an attempt to honor somebody's life in a way that reflects the values they had. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and I think finally, you know, death is the result of the fall. Death is uh, the final sort of arbiter in this broken world that we live in. And we all have to reckon with it. And the gospel gives us a hope that transcends death. But if you don't have that hope, it's not a big leap for me to understand why people try to take some of the sting out of death, you know? Uh, and <clears throat> I think ultimately there's a kind of futility there, but I don't think it's nefarious or bad or, or anything like that on the surface. So I think it's, you know, death is right up there with taxes is the two things that don't ever go away. And, and we're in a culture that is so individualistic. It doesn't surprise me that we're seeing very individualistic expressions to this last sort of thing that happens at the end of our lives. So um, Adam, I think that, you know, I've made some excellent observations, maybe the most interesting of which is that people absolutely are interested in taking the sting out of death some way, somehow. Um, yeah. And so I think that as Christians, you know, we can linger on that point and we can have conversations with people about death because it does sting. And it I does. think that alternate endings, alternate endings provides Christians with some fodder for conversation with our neighbors. Like, yeah, you know, I think that's what, absolutely you know, right. Right. Like with people who yeah. are not Christians, it gives us a real opportunity to talk about death, um, the finality of it, and then all of the ways in which uh, secular people seek to somehow uh, make peace with something with which there can be no peace apart from, you know, apart from the gospel. So um, let's oh, pivot. Uh, let's pivot to The Hunt. So The Hunt yeah. is a movie. Apparently, it's a movie that was ready to be released. Now, here's what I don't understand. Has The Hunt been canceled, postponed, or it's just not being released in America? I'm a little, I'm a little, I don't quite know the answer to that question. But tell us what it is, because, man, it is crazy uh, just on the face yeah. of it. Um, and then tell us why it's been canceled or postponed. Um, or... The Hunt is a movie, a universal movie starring Hilary Swank that was supposed to be released September 27th. And there was already pushback just from the first trailer that had been released. Um, and there was pushback because the hunt in question here 
according to this trailer, and there's even some speculation that the trailer may not be giving us all the information about what the movie is, but Hilary Swank leads a group of wealthy elites, and they kidnap deplorables from red states and then release them in basically like a safari and rich liberals go out and hunt them and kill them. So it's sort of, it's sort of yeah, the premise. The, the premise of the movie is hunting humans for sport. I think if we yes. reduce, you know, let's, cause I think we have to take the layer of politics out of the conversation for just a totally. moment. And we yep. have to say to ourselves, the premise of this movie is one group of people hunting another group of people for sport. Yep. That's exactly right. And you know, Every now and then you wonder, is American culture capable of the right kind of moral outrage? We see, you know, what I would call faux outrage about all kinds of things. But but there was immediate pushback on this as in our culture, you know, is this really what we need? And the thing that happened was we had these two horrific mass shootings in in Texas and, and in Dayton. And in the wake of those somebody wisely said, yeah, you know, might be in bad taste to release a movie about one group of people hunting and killing a group of people who have a different ideology. Um, but I think it, it's but, indicative of where we're at culturally that the movie not only got greenlighted, but it got made. It was ready to right. be released. It has been it has been canceled indefinitely. There aren't any plans to release it as far as I have seen in the reading that I have done. Uh, but a lot of times stuff like this resurfaces later. So I won't be a bit surprised if it comes out because frankly, the amount of publicity has created curiosity. And so it, even in the midst of what seems like, okay, the common sense decision to pull this one back, um, you know, they've actually built up some some marketing capital in a movie that Frankly, it probably would have been here and gone pretty quickly. Um, and I know that there are people who are listening who are thinking <sighs> to themselves, um, wasn't the premise of the Hunger Games quite similar? And it, it, it you know, different, but yes, humans hunting humans. I mean, I, yeah. there, we, it's, this is not our first. You have to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. You can be Okay, people might be wondering why wondering why the uh, Wizard of Oz music is running right now. Adam Holt, why is the Wizard of Oz music running right now? Because there's a new show on Netflix called The Family, which purports to be a takedown, and it, it sports a conspiracy theory about a group of shadowy Christians who are trying to influence the government, the leader of whom is Doug Coe, who has been referred to as... The Wizard of Oz, the man behind the curtain. And this is the and, 80th anniversary of the premiere of The Wizard of Oz. Oh, so I didn't get it right. <laughs> no, no. It's not, it's, like, it's not like Friday movie trivia, although now I have a new idea. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. Apparently, this is the 80th anniversary of the premiere of The Wizard of Oz and Pivot to the Family, Netflix yeah. movie adaptation of a 2008 book i'm I'm, they're calling it like a docudrama or docuseries i i am tempted to avoid that word because it makes it sound like uh there's no question that this is um well they're trying to make it sound like a news like a documentary and it's it's really an adaptation of a book so i don't know i'm having a hard time understanding i i get the point of what they're trying to do which is out what they view as an evangelical 
uh, organization that they perceive to be pulling the levers of of all of Washington. Now, I am enough of a conspiracy theorist to to say "Hmm, that's possible. I'm also engaged enough in the evangelical world to just say uh, it's not happening like this. No, it's here's what you need to know. Jeff Charlotte is a guy, a journalist, and honestly, it's rare that I sort of have just complete contempt for somebody or disgust. Disgust is a better word. Um, uh, Jeff Charlotte is a guy who has written hit piece after hit piece. He's got access to grind with evangelicalism, and he is he is not a fair journalist. And this thing that he's concocted, I would dismiss almost completely as fantasy. Now, there may be points of connection between evangelical leaders and people in power, but he casts the prayer breakfast that happens every year, you know, like it's some satanic rite, practically. And this is just, this is sheer fantasy, as far as I'm concerned, and it's not worth five seconds of anybody's time. All right. Well, since we've now spent more than five seconds on it. Yeah, right, uh, right. No, it's, I don't well, it's okay. No, we're going to... We're going to move that, on. We're going to move on. I think that well, I, I think that. Okay. Well, when when I just think that what what you and I are saying is when people in the culture raise um raise the subject of the family, which is a Netflix uh short series, I would describe it. When they raise it um as a topic of conversation, what we're hoping you will do um as a Christian is um is talk about cultural engagement from a Christian worldview. And why Christians belong in the conversations of the day, why Christians are engaged positively in the political arena, why we do pray for people in power based on a biblical mandate, um, why we are seeking the good of the cities in which we live. And that motivates our active political engagement. Um, And it's not uh, towards some utopian idea that we are going to live in a somehow Christianized country uh, in a theocracy. None of us right. imagine that. We imagine no. that hearts are going to be turned to Jesus more and more, and as more and more people um, are actually living the redemptive gospel, the culture will change because the people of the culture will change. So if you want to see the redemption of a culture, you have to see the redemption of individuals. And that means every single one of us needs to be having spiritual conversations today um, as a part of the family of God. Like, that's our job. That's our role. That's our responsibility, that more and more people might come to know Jesus. So that's that's the message that Adam Holt and I are hoping you hear um, as we, you know, as we discussed with discuss with some disgust, uh, the Netflix series, The Family. OK, moving on. Is the future of satire Christian? Yeah, that's a really good question, isn't it? Oh, look, we dealt with that. So uh, we have somebody on our <laughs> staff, Paul A.C., whose father was Chuck Acey, which probably nobody in your listenership has ever heard of Chuck Acey, but Chuck Acey was the cartoonist who worked at the Colorado Springs Gazette for decades. He was a beloved local figure, and he was inspired. This is getting to the satire thing. He was inspired as a kid by Mad Magazine. Well, Mad Magazine has recently announced that it is, it's done. It's closing up shop. Now they may do special one-off things here and there, but – uh, you know, this magazine that has featured Alfred E. Newman, this gap-toothed, freckle-faced, big-eared kid for some almost 70 years, is going away. And in his article of the same name is The Future of Christian Satire, which is on our blog. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, 
Paul makes the argument that genuine satire is something that that pokes fun at at something from the inside in an effort to prod it to change and that it requires a shared understanding of what our values are. And Paul goes on to say that we've lived in a we now live in a culture that doesn't have many shared values and so satire such as it is it has mostly just turned into mean-spirited attacks and that Christianity, uh, we still have a shared um, belief system. And so something like the Babylon Bee remains a place that we can all sort of have a gentle laugh at the the idiosyncrasies of of evangelical subculture. Um, But Paul asked some really great questions about how does this, this medium, this expression continue to exist when we don't have a shared understanding of what we should be gently poking fun at, and instead we're just taking mean-spirited swipes at it. So terrific, terrific insights, and in some ways Mad Magazine's end, it puts sort of a a sad, you know, <laughs> sort of exclamation point on the thing. So, Adam, as, um, as you return from uh, Holiday, which we hope was yes. just wonderful— um, we're getting listener comments. People are so glad you're back. Oh, Justin, nice. I don't know Thanks, where, listeners. I don't know where. Yeah. So <laughs> I was going to see if I could see where Justin is, uh, is, is calling in from here. I'm not very good at our text line, so I can't necessarily, uh, he's in the 218 area code. So I look over here at my little cheat sheet and he's in Northern Minnesota and he's just glad that you're back. Um, he enjoys listening to the two of us. He thinks we're having a blast and he's having a we blast listening having to us. So there you go. I know. I know we actually like each other, like in real life, right? Yeah, there you go. We so. do. It's a true story. Oh, Justin's in Cloquet, Minnesota. Oh, uh, Cloquet. I love Cloquet. And I mean that seriously. My family vacationed in Canada every year growing up, and we always stopped for lunch in Cloquet. So, Justin, I hope things are good in Cloquet this morning. Well, the, Justin's with us, and we're with Justin, so how could things be anything other than good? Well, right? there, there there's go. that. There's that. All right. Hey, Adam Holtz, thank you so much. Welcome back from vacation. We look forward to visiting with you each week, finding out what's on the big, the small screen, and how to sort of bring the Christian worldview to bear on all things entertainment. So thank you, my friend. All right. We'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Have a great weekend. We'll be right back. Yep. Bye. So a few weeks ago, um, Joshua Harris, who maybe is most well-known for um, a book uh, that sort of became a movement called um, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And so for those of you who know about uh, that, that movement um, and that book, you may also be aware that he has renounced not only uh, the Christian faith, but his marriage and is now advocating for things that um, he would have at other points in his own life um, considered absolutely contrary to the gospel and God's design for human relationships. Um, When something like that takes place in a a high-profile professional Christian's life, um, we're jarred by it, and it makes us evaluate uh, all the things that they taught. And so We're going to have a conversation about whether or not uh, God is interested in sexual purity, whether or not God does have a design for human sexual relationships, how we talk about those things as Christians today in a culture where literally not only does everything go, but everything has has advocates. And so what does it look like to um, live into the call of sexual purity? 
We're going to talk with um, Michael Johnson from Future Marriage University about that and other questions like what happened to dating and how do we redeem marriage in the culture today? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Okay, so as uh, as Neil Stavum is sharing there that we are going to have fall share in a couple of weeks, and we invite you to share with us. I thought having a definition of what it means to share would be good. Uh, here is the definition of the word share, a part or portion of a larger amount, which is divided among a number of people. Okay, so I have a number, a large number, in fact, of my own books, like copies of my own book. I don't know if other authors have like a stash or a stack, but I do. And so it's called Speak the Truth. How to Bring God Back into Every Conversation. We're giving away free copies today to listeners who text us. It's it's free. Anybody who does it is going to get one. So uh, 877-933-2484. I want to share a portion of what I have stashed away with you. Um, You know, we're tilling the soil of the whole concept of share, right? Dividing up a large thing into smaller parts. I have a large stash. I would like to dole one out to you, my listeners. And so if you want a free copy of my book, all you have to do is text your name and mailing address to 877-933-2484. Or you can email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. Next up, I'm talking with Michael Johnson from Future Marriage University about purity and marriage and dating and everything you ever wanted to know about what God thinks about sex. That's next here on Mornings with Carmen. The famous author Leo Tolstoy once wrote, Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Parents usually come to see me when their family's in a time of crisis, when relationships aren't working out, and when things at home desperately need to change. Some parents assume that a few months at the Heartlight Residential Counseling Program is all their teen needs to get back on track. But fairly quickly, they realize that change is a two-way street, and parents have just as much to work on as do their teens. Mom, Dad, do you wish things were a little different at your home? Before you try to change the world, before you begin to shake down your child, think of how to change yourself. Looking for more parenting wisdom? Go online to ParentingTodaysTeens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. Marriage University. Um, I'm going to direct you to their YouTube page because I think that's maybe where they want you to be. Um, and you can find them on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook at FM University. So that's Future Marriage University, but you just use the FM. FM University, that's not like an FM radio signal. It's Future Marriage University. You can also find them online at FMUniversity.net. It is a really great website. So I just want to start with that. Uh, Michael Johnson, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So I set I set you up this way. Um, you're going to tell us everything that we need to know about what God <laughs> thinks about sex and marriage. Yeah, I, I heard that. And I right? was like, how how long do we have? <laughs> well, I know. So, but don't, I feel like that's the setup to drive people to your content because yeah. I don't know that I have been to, first of all, any website that is 
uh, more comprehensive or compelling on this particular subject matter. And what we're talking about is purity. And we're not talking about, um, you know, having some kind of purity culture that is, is you know, if you do these things, God will give you this. Um, uh, yeah. What we're yeah, talking the, the about is the call. Gospel. Yeah, the, what we're talking about, what you guys talk about is just the real stuff. And I think people ought to be accessing it because people have a lot of questions about this. So, again, it's FM university.net and from there you can get to everything else so michael let's just start with this question how can the church you know when we use that term we use it in a really broad way how can the church teach sexual purity without promoting sexual prosperity gospel yeah well i mean it has to begin with our theology in general uh and (laughs) the fact that god is not up there thinking how can i make these people happy (laughs) The fact that uh, God's plans are so much bigger. And I I will say that, you know, the church is at a deficit when it comes to the topic of sex, because usually the person that sets the topic wins the debate. And let's face it, the world is the place that came out and said, let's talk about sex. So they've set the topic. Not only have they set the topic, they've given us lots of not just even ideas, but images, video. I mean, they've... They've given us a lot to go on. And then the church is left to be like, well, yes, actually, sex really is amazing, wonderful, uh, but it's only for marriage. And so that's literally turned marriage uh, inadvertently into uh, it's put God in this sexual false dilemma where the idea is. I mean, it's not stated in the church like this. This is not what the church is trying to say. But in the end, it makes it look like the only reason we have marriage today is because of sex. Like God was up there going, hmm, how can I enable these creatures whom I have created to enjoy sexual activity and not feel guilty? I shall create marriage. And so part of what we have to do is, is yes, say sex is for marriage. Now let's talk about what marriage really is all about. Let's think bigger. And and what that bigger entails real simply is found in 1 Corinthians 13, which is the idea of not sexual intimacy, but relational intimacy, where it talks about, then I shall be known as I am fully known. As I say that, I know you, the listener, listening to Carmen and me are like, yes. That's what I want. I, I, I want to know. I want people to actually know me, and I want to be able to really know them, because that's what's, what's really in our heart. And then once we've changed the subject and we start talking about that, then sex can take a back seat, and we can talk about what our soul's really longing for, for which sex is only a, uh, I, I actually either a reflection of or distortion of that deeper need. So I think that the word distortion is an excellent one because marriage is distorted in our culture today. Our understanding of marriage, who defines it, what it is, what it's about, what it's for, what it points to, um, that's distorted. Sex is grossly distorted. It's distorted by Hollywood. It's distorted by pornography and an entire culture that is just corrupting the hearts and minds of people. Um, and it's it's sometimes distorted by the church, like right. Sometimes yeah. we make an idol of of marriage as if singleness is not uh, a holy way to live in relationship with God. Absolutely. Or, I mean, the list of the list of distortions is really long. So you can <laughs> yes. pick any one of those threads because I've actually just thrown 
you know, thrown three or four topics out there that you might want to to talk about. Let's pick one of them um, to talk about before the break, and then we'll talk about the other ones after the break. So you want to talk about porn? You want to talk about Hollywood? Uh, you want to talk about the distortion of marriage in the church? Yeah, let's talk about the the distortion of marriage because that's a great one. Because and I see, uh, you know, we're now in a culture where, where even those singles still feel like uh, they're this uh, uh, redheaded stepchild. Um, uh, which no offense to you if you're a redheaded stepchild. Um, but, uh, and that's, the reality is that the majority of the culture today, the adult world is single. A little bit over half of all adults are single. Um, so there's a distortion right there. But then secondly, the reason why there's such a bitterness, I think, one of the main reasons with this, oh, we talk about marriage again, is that, Again, we've let the culture define marriage, and marriage is supposed to be these two soulmates meeting in this perfect union that makes all the rainbows in the world blossom in, in everywhere they look. And that is not the biblical picture of marriage. You know, I mentioned 1 Corinthians 13 earlier, that, that, uh, that knowing and being known. Before it says that, um, the the writer of First Corinthians, Paul, says something kind of weird because he's been talking about love the whole time in First Corinthians. Everybody knows First Corinthians thirteen: love is patient, love is kind, doesn't it envy. Everybody knows that stuff. But then after talking about love, 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 then Paul turns his attention and he says, "When I was a child, I thought like a child, I talked like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me." And if you want to know what marriage is really about. It's about forcing two people to grow up, to mature into a maturity that allows them to enjoy that relational intimacy that they deeply long for in a healthy way. That's what parents are supposed to be doing with children. It's why parents don't exist to make their children happy. It's why parents have rules and guidelines and expectations because they're like, come on, little one, we got to grow up to maturity so that then we can enjoy this relational intimacy, you and me as father, son, uh, mother, daughter. And then marriage is supposed to be the continuation of that. Well, then suddenly you being a single person aren't really missing out on this magical land of wonder. You're just, you, you too, as a single person, can also grow in relational intimacy by learning to grow up. You don't actually need marriage to do it. So I uh, I love that. All right, so we're going to come right back. I am talking with Michael Johnson. Uh, you can check out the resources at Future Marriage University. That's fmuniversity.net. Connect with them on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, he and I are going to come back. We're going to talk about why young people maybe aren't getting married um, anymore or nearly at the rate that they used to. Um, and then I want to talk specifically about the rise of uh, these sort of gender non-conforming characters and non, you know, non-biblical marriage stories in um, in movies, television, kids entertainment stuff, and the impact that you think that's having as we yeah. as we try to as we try to live uh, lives of purity in this culture. So that conversation is up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, so Future Marriage University is this really cool online resource that offers dating and relationship uh, information and equipping to students and young adults. 
I would say appropriate for everybody like ages 12 and up, uh, certainly appeals to singles of all ages and um, is fun. Like it's not information like you might be used to receiving it. Really fun, put together in a really provocative way, um, stuff there for parents and uh, and church leaders as well. It's just really excellent. Uh, Michael Johnson heads up Future Marriage University. You can find them at fmuniversity.net. Um, so, Michael, let's let's talk about this rise that we see in um, what I'll describe as like LGBTQ or gender nonconforming characters and storylines in today's media and yeah. how we, you know, how we curate our own media feed in ways that are actually, I, I don't even know if I'm going to use family friendly anymore. I'm going to use God honoring. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, what, what's important for us to understand is uh, we we were made in the image of God. We all get that, right? Okay, I've heard that. Thank you for that uninteresting fact that I already knew. But let's remember what kind of God we're made in. We're made in the image of a spirit God. Yes, Jesus was a man, full-blooded man, 100% man, um, but that man stood by the well with this woman from Samaria, and he told her that God is spirit, and true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean for the LGBT and all of that stuff? What does that mean for you if you're listening and you're struggling with same-sex attraction? Or what, what that means is this. It means you are not primarily a sexual being. Yes, you are a sexual being. Congratulations, we all are. But you are made in the image of a God who is spirit. Your your primary, your the center of your soul is to is a spiritual being that longs for a spiritual union with your spiritual God. And we can when we can really wrap our hearts and minds around that truth, then that means my sexual longings do not have to define me. They don't have to rule. Uh, But again, as I say all of that, we know we're now in a culture that doesn't believe in spiritual things. Uh, We're in a culture that doesn't believe in that stuff. So we still, because we're made in the image of this God, we still have this longing for connection. And if I'm not going to believe in spiritual connection, then what's the next powerful longing in my soul? The cake and chocolate. No, it's, it's, well, yeah, actually chocolate and, but between chocolate and sex, it's a toss up, right? But, uh, (laughs) we have this sexual longing that then becomes the arbiter of everything else in our life. That's what you're seeing. But again, how do we tame that beast of sexual longing, whether you struggle with porn, whether you struggle with same sex attraction or whatever, you do it by realizing that's that's actually not primarily who I am, but it is a shadow of this deeper longing that I have for connection with my God, oneness with him. And indeed, going back to the distortion of marriage, I'm sorry, sorry to go back there again, but that's ultimately what we're looking for most in marriage is to have that spiritual connection, that oneness. People act like, even in the church, again, not really thinking about it, that Oh, yeah, the two shall become one. <laughs> you know what that means, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No, no, sex is a part of that. It represents that. It helps facilitate that. But the oneness that my wife and I have shared for almost 26 years is so much bigger than the sex that we have 
sometimes. <laughs> it's just the sex isn't the point. The oneness is that she knows me. I know her. She gets me. I get her. Yeah, we get into it sometimes, and it ain't pretty. We're, we're angry. But, I mean, ah, oh, it's that's the beautiful thing. But if you throw that out, that spiritual reality out, then, yeah, your sex, your sexual longings, they will take over and they will make you their slave. I think that the good news of the image of marriage um, that you're describing, the oneness, the unity of the spirit, the bond of peace, the growing up individually mm. and together yeah. into Christ, um, the the way that marriage here is intended by God to be a reflection of the reality of the marriage of of Christ to his bride, the church, that it's yes, eternal, yes. this is eternal, holy, uh, heavenly thing. And what we are intended to experience here in the context of human marriage is, is, is an image of that. And so in yes. the same way that individually we bear the image of, of God in the world, our marriages are intended to bear out the image of mm. this union that Christ has with his church. And it's Absolutely. indivisible and it's not, you know, one party in it for some kind of gratification. It's, exactly. you know, it's the relationship that God intended for all of time between humanity and himself. Um, yes. It's <laughs> it is the it is the being know, knowing fully and being fully known. I, yeah. So I really I appreciate the soil that you're tilling. I appreciate the seeds that you're planting. I appreciate how you are um, helping recover um, the the right view, the righteous view of marriage and how you're helping to not only equip the future generation, but the church and parents to enter into these uh, these really significant, important conversations with um, with students and young adults today. So, again, the website is fmuniversity.net. Uh, and that's not like a radio frequency. It's FM for future marriage, fmuniversity.net. You can connect with Michael there. Michael Johnson, thank you so much for being with us today on Mornings with Carmen. It's been a blessing. Thank you. Friends, we'll, we'll be right back to wrap it up. All right. So uh, blessings and peace to you. Encouragement in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, may that be what is over you and in you and operating through you, not only today, but all weekend. Uh, it's Friday. And so you and I are, um, we are, we are blessed to have the opportunity to bring Christ to bear in the world where we set our feet. Um, may, may you walk in places that are um, smooth and green, like wouldn't that always be great? May you walk by faith in places that are hard and dark and um, dry. You are walking in faith today, no matter where you are walking, no matter what the terrain, you are walking in Christ and with Christ. Um, He is before you, he is behind you, he is beside you, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is within you. Never forget that. Don't forget that no matter what you face, you do not face it alone. No, don't confuse being alone with being lonely. You, Christ is present by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Christ is present right now where you are in that circumstance with you. He sees you. He's with you. He's for you. Um, enjoy that. Enjoy that. Enjoy the presence of Christ right now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're facing. Enjoy the presence of Christ with you right now. 
It's a pleasure and a joy to be with you. You can always visit us online at MyFaithRadio.com. I am Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for the time we have spent together today. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.